please welcome to the stage the director, writer, and star of Prevenge, Alice Lowe. <laughs> Hi, Alice. Hi. So first of all, congratulations. Now, I'm sure many people here already know it, but if they don't, you were actually seven and a half months pregnant when you shot the film. Yeah. So obviously, most people going out and doing their directorial debut, that's a big thing. <laughs> doing it and starring in it as well is an even bigger thing, but to be seven and a half months pregnant as well just feels like <laughs> madness. So tell us about this. I mean, how was it? Um, well, it wasn't part of the plan, really. Yeah. Uh, I, I did want to direct beforehand, and I was looking for an opportunity to do that, and everything was just taking a really long time. And uh, Jamie Adams, the director, came to me who'd worked with me before and said, look, there's an opportunity to do a film, low budget, over a short period of time, do you want to do it? And I was like, oh, I do, but I'm six months pregnant now, so I can't do it. And then I was like, oh, I should be taking this opportunity. It's a really good opportunity. So I said yes, sort of thinking it's never going to happen. <laughs> I just thought, who would, who would actually let a pregnant woman make a film? <laughs> I don't know who'd be... I don't know who'd be crazy enough, but so it was like for a long time, well, I say a long time, so I was about six months pregnant when I came up with the idea and pitched it as like a, it's a pregnant woman taking revenge and we'll call it something like Prevenge, but it will be called something much better than that. We won't stick with that, it's just a working title. And um, so it was like six months and then a month and a half later we were shooting it. So basically I, I wrote it in about a week, got notes, did a rewrite. <laughs> um, basically started pre-production, immediately looking for locations and all of that stuff. And all the way along, I was like, oh, I'm working on this project, but it's not going to happen. <laughs> in my mind, I was just like, it was not going to happen. But it did. And you obviously, you shot it in 11 days as well. So yeah. the pre-production, the writing schedule, the shoot was all so kind of collapsed. Yeah. How did you find that? Was it a big obstacle or was it a boon in a way? Um, well, I like working like that um, because my background is in sort of... Um, short films, improvisation, this kind of thing. So I've made a lot of short films that are 10-minute short films in one yeah. day. So I kind of was like, well, it should be possible to shoot a feature. Uh, originally, we planned to shoot over eight days, and we failed to do that, and we had to do three days of pickups, basically. Um, for me, it was fine. It was like I devised the script so that we could shoot it. It was like if, if I make the script a series of two-handers, like little playlets... And then we get an actor to come in in the morning and we sort of killed them in the morning. And then we sort of cleaned all the blood off them and then improvised with them in the afternoon. And, and then by the end of the day, hopefully you've got 10 minutes in the can of your, of your feature. Um, and that worked quite well, actually, <laughs> to, to work in that way. Because, I mean, I always think that reviewers are going to pick up on that because it, yeah. it is quite a strange way to structure a film. But people generally don't really notice that until I tell them and they're like oh yeah oh yeah it is a series of two-handers and that was the only way that it could work in terms of the structuring really. Let's talk a little bit about the tone of the film because on the one hand it's kind of kitchen sink realism there's a kind of scuzziness to it but on the other hand it's very much a fantasy it has this kind of fantastical layer to it was that to kind of tie into the hormonal state the heightened emotions I mean can you tell talk us through it a little? Um, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of wanted it to portray pregnancy in a way that hadn't been seen on screen before or, or arrogantly how I thought it hadn't been screen, seen before. Someone might tell me different, but I kind of wanted it to be really vivid and I wanted it to be 
very sort of visceral feeling so that you're almost going through these sort of repulsions and emotions that she's going through with all these hormonal changes that she's going through. So it's like the first scene where there's all the spiders and stuff. It's almost like, to me, that when I, when I was pregnant, that, that was reflecting the kind of super senses that you have when you're pregnant, like everything smells really, your sense of smell is really powerful, you, you know, your emotions are up and down. So I kind of wanted it to be a kind of sensory experience to watch the film. Um, and that meant kind of making choices about using colour and soundscapes and, you know, sound in a really powerful way so that the audience feel like they're with her all the time. Um, so, yeah, it was, a, it was interesting. It was, we took a much longer time in the edit, <laughs> obviously, yeah. than making the film. We were sort of eight months in the wow. edit. Wow. But about that stage, I did have a tiny baby. So, you know, kind of let myself off for that. Yeah. But, you know, it was an important experience spending that time in the edit because that was where we really found the personality of the film and the personality, you know, the message coming through of, and the strange tone because all the way through, I'm changing the tone. I'm sort of switching it and pulling the rug from under your feet. And... I kind of knew if that didn't look intentional, it would be like a dog's dinner, basically. <laughs> and I knew it needed to feel like a really crafted piece to understand what was going on. And talking of the personality of the film, I understand the voice of a baby, the unborn baby, is actually you yeah. in the film. So. <laughs> so if I didn't have enough to do. Yeah, I just, I'm just really narcissistic, and I just <laughs> wanted to get more of myself in it. Um, it was basically, we toyed with all different ways that we were going to do it, and uh, we used a child actor, and it was just so sort of saccharine. It was like a John Lewis advert or something. I just nice. couldn't bear it. I was like, no, it sounds too sweet in a way. Um, and at the end of the day, we were changing it a lot as well, so it made a lot of sense for me when I was in the sound mix with Martin Pavey, who's a brilliant sound designer, that I was just there and we could just change and re-edit and chop and change. And once he showed me the treated voice, I was like, oh my God, it doesn't sound like me at all. It's great, right. you know, and, or it takes it enough away. But of course, the, there's a kind of a twist that the voice is her anyway. It's not the baby. So it kind of work, it, you know, works thematically yeah. in a quite satisfying way as well. You shot the film in Cardiff. Now, that's somewhere that hasn't been on screen a great deal compared to places like London, obviously. Was that also to add to the kind of fantasy and the otherworldliness of it all? Yeah, I mean, I wanted it to be, in my head, like a sci-fi. Right. It's like this woman's on a journey to unknown territory and, and she doesn't know what she's going to meet on this journey. And so I felt like it needed to be unfamiliar and it needed to feel strange. I've been to Cardiff quite a bit and... Um, Luckily, our DOP lives in Cardiff, so I was able to say to him, do you know any weird underpasses and stuff? And he was like, I know just the place. And like, you know, is there a place that we can drive where we get amazing different colour lights in the background and stuff? And he was like, yeah, I know this street that we can ride up and down in a taxi. So that was invaluable. Um, but also, I'd been to Cardiff on Halloween, and I knew what it would be like. <laughs> but it did surpass my expectations, yeah. I have to say. It was like crazy. Um, but yeah, I knew it had to be a city as well. I wanted this feeling of anonymity and like, you know, an idea that you're sort of, there's themes of society coming up in, in it yeah. as well about, you know, the, the facelessness of being this pregnant woman in this city. And that's kind of how she gets away with it. But I mean, it, it's a fantasy really. I mean, she wouldn't get away with it. <laughs> she would have got caught. But um, yeah, I wanted, I wanted the city to have a kind of personality in a way that it's the only relationship that she's in that she's happy with is like pacing the streets and Taxi Driver was one of the influences on the film so I really wanted that sense of noir noir 
in it. Even Blade Runner was a bit of an influence in it. We kind of... Yeah, <laughs> yeah especially yeah. with the music that I kind of said to the composers that I wanted it to have a sci-fi feel yeah. to it. And talking of themes, I mean, under the surface, it, I mean, it's very much a genre film on the surface, but it, it does talk about things that not a lot of people talk about in society, like pregnancy is meant to be such a wonderful thing and women are meant to, you know, be blessed by God and all of this. <laughs> but obviously people do deal with depression kind of things like that. It's still unspoken to a large degree. Was that kind of the idea that you wanted to sneak serious themes into a genre movie? Uh yeah, I think that's what I always want to do, really. <laughs> uh, you know, been working in comedy for many years, and I kind of, for me, I'm only interested if I feel like there's some depth to the story, even if you're telling a, you know, even if, even if it's a sitcom or whatever, or, or when I'm playing characters, I always try and bring a depth to it. So for me, like, to be interested in it, I had to be think. you know, those were the themes that were getting me excited about it. And also, I didn't have to research because I was already pregnant, so I didn't have to go off and do any research. I was just, like, in it. And it was, like, all the sort of weird things that I was experiencing with pregnancy that I was kind of worried about my work and stuff like that. And, you know, being an actress, it's, there's enough pressure on you just ageing without being pregnant as well. It's sort of, are you ever going to work again? All of these sort of weird things that were bundling up as an existential crisis, I kind of put in the film. And then the things that I was worried about didn't happen. <laughs> so it was like an exorcism of all of those emotions. But, you know, I've had lots of people seeming to engage with that aspect of it, that they're like, oh, you know, it's like a catharsis that, you know, women are... I have it as an actress that often you get roles to play a mother... And the, the mother has no character. She's just self-sacrificing. You're like, well, what about before she had children? Did she have a personality? Like, did she have hopes and dreams? No, she's just a mother. And I just wanted this to be anathema to that, that, you know, it's, it's a character that's completely um, bitter, <laughs> basically. But in, I think, quite a powerful way. It's, yeah. it's kind of like tearing through all of those stereotypes well that was the intention to just explode those kind of myths yeah that's great that was a really cool film i really enjoyed watching <laughs> that um i had a couple of questions actually um so so basically the idea was that she goes out uh, goes and kills all the people who were in the the, the climbing group right and uh, but you can't really tell um some of the people were part of that climbing group like the 70s dancing guy Ben, I think his name was. Uh, how did you decide? Like, how did you, how did you uh, think that people would understand that they were part of the climbing group? If because you know the sports girl, you were talking about sports, and uh, a couple of other people, you could tell that they were doing uh, sports activities, but not everyone. So how did you decide on? Yeah, I mean, what to say? I suppose I was I was playing a little bit, you know, loose with the with the associations because I kind of hope that by the end that you realise that they all, all are linked but to me all of the characters are sort of selfish in their own way and it's kind of a little study of like selfishness in various different scenarios and and what I thought was all of these people they've done this climbing expedition but they've done it with a lack of responsibility so I, almost in my mind you know we had this in the script at one point but it was just boring um, <laughs> that they'd all done this climbing expedition with a voucher you know like someone had given them a, a, a voucher or whatever it's called and you know when people do that like people go oh, I thought you were a climbing expedition I thought you were a hot air balloon trip and lots of people doing this climbing without really thinking about what it means and so when this accident happens it's because of their carelessness it's like 
you know, that DJ Dan is like, I'm, I'm the, you know, I'm, I'm DJ Dan, I'm the fun bus, you know, and he's, he thinks he's a hedonist and he just doesn't really care who he hurts as, yeah. as a response to that. And, you know, he's got this mum that he doesn't treat very well. And, but I just thought each one of them, it, to me, that was a way that you could get those random selection of society together in a strange manner. Um, whether it's believable or not. I mean, I kind of deliberately wanted them to be really weird characters that really you, you just felt like, who the hell are they? Like, in, in, one of the influences of the film was like Willy Wonka and Charlie and the Chocolate Factory, you know, like there's, some, there's Augustus Gloop and people like that in there. There's, it was just a sort of section of society, really, of, of like peculiar people that I thought would, you know, deserve yeah. to be punished. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> and the instructor at the end just says that oh she, he was thinking of leaving you anyway and I just wondered why 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 that piece of information was I mean important like does that does that make her think oh maybe I should just get over it or does that make her think no I'm gonna go and kill the instructor I mean why why have that bit in the end where he says she he was thinking of leaving you um. To me, you can take the film in two different ways, and it really depends on whether you're a pessimist or, an, or how much you believe in love. It's really funny because my two composers had completely different ideas. Like they were talking about the film and the ending, and and like you know, one of the composers was saying, "Well, it's really funny because obviously he didn't have a relationship with her. He probably hated her. She was a psycho, and she just got pregnant with his baby. And you know, she was probably going to kill him even if he." stayed around you know if he was alive like so she was you know like she was a psycho and he never loved her and then Pablo the other composer was like what are you talking about of course he loved her he was the love of her life like she was the love of his life and I was like oh my god this is really interesting to me because like I think you could choose either of those two ways depending on whether you you know does she kill the instructor because she's so powerfully in love with this guy that she has to complete her mission you know even whether she's mad or not or is it that she's just absolutely screwed and she's a screw loose, you know, that she's got this venom within her that would be there, whatever, you know. And so I think it's kind of what you can choose what, what to think about either of those things. Yeah. Like, it's the best way, open to interpretation. <laughs> uh, you trod a very fine line between her, our sympathy with the character and her craziness. With such a long period in the edit, how far did you go either way towards making her a an actual hero or a villain? Or were you always trying to dial in on that sweet spot? <laughs> I think it was always going to be a bit of a juggling act because I kind of think there's these script writing books that tell you, you know, save the cat, that, you know, five minutes in, your hero has to save a cat. And even if he's really grumpy, like Bruce Willis, at that point, you know that he's a good guy and that his heart's in the right place. And I kind of deliberately wanted to do the opposite of this. I kind of wanted you to go... It's a pregnant woman. Oh, isn't she sweet and a vulnerable sort of character? Oh, fuck, she's just killed someone. <laughs> and I kind of deliberately wanted to make you really push you to the limit of your sympathies for her right at the beginning so that you really go, oh, my God, this woman has no mercy. She has no clemency. How far are we willing to go with her? And then kind of as the film progresses, you kind of come to understand more why she's doing what she's doing and, and maybe even kind of get to like her because... She's, you know, got a certain way of seeing the world. Um, so I was kind of deliberately doing that and really trying to push some buttons with the audience because I, I wanted to experiment, really, and see, like, you know, 
I quite often as an actress hear like, oh, is she likable enough? Is this character likable enough? And I was just sick of hearing that. I was like, does it matter if she's likable? Who cares? Is Travis Bickle likable in Taxi Driver? It's not even a question that's raised. You're like, he's an interesting character. I want to watch him, you know. Um, so that was kind of what I was trying to do, is almost trying to push you away by prodding at you with a knife and then letting the audience come to an understanding or a, a sympathy, if not an empathy, with, with the character. I presume you like her, though. <laughs> I do like her. I like all of my characters, yeah. though, that I play. If I don't like them, I, the acting's terrible. <laughs> I shouldn't be employed to do the ones that I don't like. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Um, all those the characters that you had who were in the climbing group were all brilliantly crafted in their own little way. Were there any incarnations of them that ended up on the cutting room floor? Um, there wasn't really. I mean, I wrote the script to those performers, basically, pretty much 99%. That's probably not even possible. Sorry, I'm not very good at fractions. Um, but, yeah, I pretty much wrote the characters for the people, so I had this expectation they would come in and just knock it out of the park, but then they did, and I was like, oh, my God, they're amazing. Um, not really. We did have a character that we lost that was just like a B story that was just wasn't unnecessary. But to me, like, the actors all came in and, like, you know, I knew they'd got a good background in improvisation as well, so if I went off script that they wouldn't freak out and be weirded out. But I also wanted them to come in and, like, challenge me as well because one, one of my worries as a director was that, you know, your eyes off the ball with your acting, <laughs> that, you know, maybe you're turning in a rubbish performance. Um, so I kind of wanted to make sure that those people were going to keep me on my toes and that I, I would feel in the deep end as well. I, you know, I, my style is I, I prefer performances where people are unsure of themselves. I don't really like it when someone comes in and does acting. I don't, it's not, not to my taste. So I kind of like it when you see the fear in people's eyes that they're kind of coming and going, what's going on? And quite often the actors, they'd only seen their scenes. They hadn't seen the rest of the film. They didn't know what was going on. They'd been hired two days before the shoot. You know, they were literally coming in and going, hi. <laughs> and some of them have not seen the film until now, you know, like... And we're going, oh, my God, I didn't know that was what you were going to do with it, or whatever. So a lot of that was really important for it to work for me, personally, because it's a strange way that we're putting it together. Um, did you have to kill the lovely Josh? <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, right, and my second question. <laughs> I'm just wondering if you're looking forward to one day sitting down and watching this with your daughter. Oh, God. That's a great question. Uh, not really. <laughs> I'll be like, oh, God, don't ever make a film like this. Um, no, I don't. Uh, yeah, it's weird to think about that. I can't even imagine it right now. But I think if she's anything like me and my partner, she's going to really love horror and she's going to be well into all of that stuff. Like, we had a health visitor come round quite recently. <laughs> Saw this massive skull poster of Dario Argento, Argento's opera on the wall. And she was like, that's a bit of a scary poster, isn't it? <laughs> We were like, shit. <laughs> we just got stuff like that all over our house. <laughs> like, but she's going to grow up used to all of that. So, um, yeah, I mean, lots of stuff she won't be able to watch until she's 18 that I've done. So right. it'll just be a big sort of locked DVD cabinet. <laughs> Special DVD cabinet with all the scary ones. <laughs> it should be said, I've just met Alice's daughter outside and she's an absolute angel, not a monster at all. She's so. not evil. No, she's no. really not. I'm just really intrigued as to how you wrote the script in a week. Did you like <laughs> to, like have time to kind of like plan it out and stuff, or did you just like roll with it and just kind of? Um, well, when I wrote the pitch document, um, 
I pretty much did beat out the story within the pitch. But even then, it was very simple. It was like, she meets this guy, she meets this guy, she meets this. It's pretty much exactly what you see in the film. Um, but I do think, I mean, it's facetious if I just say, like, oh, yeah, yeah, I just did it in a week. This is after years of working on screenplays. You know, you come to really know the ins and outs of uh, the story structure, what it's supposed to be, even if you don't follow all the rules, you know. So I, I was a frustrated director. I'd sort of got it in me, like, the sort of story that I wanted to tell and really, like... Um, also, characters are my thing. So, like, I could write a whole film about each one of those characters, like, just stream of consciousness. <laughs> so that's my... I think some people struggle with dialogue, but I don't struggle with dialogue. It's more structure. But actually, it was such a simple structure. I just wanted a really, really classic... I think that's what was nice about having a revenge story, is it is episodic, and it is really, like, you know that this person's got an end point, and it's just going to be a series of murders. So in that sense, the genre was very helpful to, to write it really quickly. But I do think it's possible to write a film in a week. I don't see yeah. why not, really. I'd like, I mean, I kind of, I'm a fan. I, I would yeah. always try and write, write quickly. Because I think, you know, sometimes if you've got images in your head, you just, it's more important to get them down, really. Yeah. Well, it's certainly worth <laughs> here. So, ladies and gentlemen, again, thank you for coming out tonight. <laughs> thank you and congratulations to Alice Lowe.